Welcome to the first episode of my experiment with podcasting. I call it stalker songs and other problematic stuff. Um, while testing what I sound like, testing the microphone, testing uh, the app that I'm recording on and all this stuff, I realized that I'm really bad at this. <laughs> uh, I so bear with me because I really still need to get my bearings. I, um, I've never done that. And I, uh, always think that my recorded voice sounds really weird, whether in German or in English. So, uh, it will take some getting used to, but, uh, maybe we'll just dive straight in. Do you know what, uh, the most played song on the radio is, at least according to BMI, Broadcast Music Incorporated. Um, it's the police's Every Breath You Take, and that is probably the most famous stalker song, as I call it, uh, too. So, um, Every Breath You Take was released in 1983. Um, it was number one of the American billboard charts for eight weeks then. Um, and I mean, you can still hear it on the radio probably every day. Um, it, uh, was voted the most played or, or honored as the most played song on the radio, um, this year, only six weeks ago at the BMI awards. And, um, it toppled, you've lost that loving feeling by the righteous brothers, which had been the most played song for 22 years from 1996 onwards. But now sting and the police have taken over. Uh, the song has over 15 million radio plays. So the information so far I took from the internet. <laughs> um, and also, uh, I read, um, a statement by Sting himself, who said he woke up in the middle of the night, um, having the chorus in his head already, um, sitting down at the piano and, uh, writing the song in like half an hour. Well, that's kind of efficient, I suppose. <laughs> Um, he thinks the melody is pretty ordinary, but, um, the words are what's interesting. And he didn't realize, he says at the time, how creepy the song really is. It sounds like a comforting love song. Um, he only realized later that he had written sort of a stalker song, but he said he was thinking of big brother surveillance control. And, um, he wrote it shortly after separating from his first wife, supposedly. So, um, if she is the stalker <laughs> of that song, then it's interesting that sort of he switched perspective because he's telling the story, singing the song from a first person perspective. Um, yeah. And I mean, I probably won't have to recite all the song, but I mean, um, I don't think it's romantic to be watched every breath I take, every move I make, every step I take, 
But um, what's interesting, of course, is that it's not just watching everything someone does, but also implying or accusing this person of, um, yeah, bad behavior because um, there's the line, every smile you fake, every claim you stake, um, and also every bond you break. So the implication in this song is that not only is the lyrical eye, the narrator, the singer, whoever, um, watching whatever the other person does, but also they're saying um, the other person is playing games, staking claims, so probably, you know, figuring out who's next. Um, and then there's this whole bagging, pleading, whining, oh, can't you see you belong to me? And my poor heart aches with every step you take. So poor me. <laughs> and obviously there's one hint at least in the song that um, the other person or the two people were together at some point because it says, since you're gone, I've been lost without a trace. So implying, yeah, since this other person left, uh, the narrator, <laughs> I'm really automatically going into, you know, literary studies interpretation mode, but yeah. So since this person left the narrator, um, they're desperate, sad with a poor heart, but, um, yeah, it definitely is not a love song in my book because um, everything that's one-sided is probably inherently problematic or at least it can turn problematic quickly because there's this entitlement or can't you see you belong to me there's this um, obsessiveness excuse me i have to get rid of my cat <laughs> there's yeah there's this obsessiveness and i think of course that's in the nature of most songs but i think repetition adds to the creepiness and in this case the repetition is relentless i'll be watching you i'll be watching you i'll be watching you and it's every move you make every single day every word you say so the, both the every and the watching you is like repeated so many times that the creepiness is, you know, turned up to 11. Um, so if someone told me <laughs> these things that the narrator sings about here, um, I would probably change my number and my address. Oh God, the cat isn't stopping. Um, yeah, so no comforting love song there at all. Um, and this is just sort of to warm up because that's the one where you don't have to really explain anything or, you know, um, interpret the song in any way because it's quite obvious and plain in plain sight. But um, I think there's some other interesting things. Why is this, you know, why is this so successful? Why is this uh, also one of the most misunderstood 
hits of the 80s because supposedly many people still think it's just a nice, beautiful love song because this kind of intensity and obsession is by some people still considered, you know, a positive thing. Well, then he must really love me because he is so obsessed with me. Well, well. (laughs) So that's exactly the kind of thing that I'm critical of, skeptical about. Um, But it's interesting that that this is like such a successful and still popular song. But of course, even though Sting may think the melody is very ordinary, it's catchy. And yeah, that might be part of it too, because of course, not everyone is focused on the lyrics when they listen to music. what I thought was interesting was the whole list of uh, cover versions. There's a Vonda Shepherd um, version featuring Robert Downey Jr. I think I have to hunt that down and, and, and figure out why and where that was used probably for a movie. And then, um, of course, there's also not really a cover version, but um, a pretty big hit for Puff Daddy in 1997, I'll Be Missing You, which uses the lyrics but turns the watching you into the missing you um, because it's supposed to be a tribute to uh, Notorious B.I.G. So the whole meaning is changed because now the obsessiveness or the intensity is not that of someone stalking um, a living person but someone missing a dead person and wanting to remember every breath, every move, every step of that person. So that makes it way more palatable, I think, even though um, obsessing over dead people and their memory might not be that healthy either. (laughs) But that's a totally different level. Right, let's move on to something not as obvious as every breath you take, or maybe it is as obvious. How about Grenade by Bruno Mars? Because that's really one of the songs that has been bugging me every time I heard it. Um, Because that's for me the almost epitome of an unhealthy relationship or unhealthy idea of what love means. So what does he talk about? Easy come, easy go. That's just how you live. Take, take, take it all, but you never give. Yeah, well, should have known you were tr- you was trouble from the first kiss. Had your eyes wide open. Why were they open? So, um, this whole idea that is only hinted at um, in the police song where. Um, where you blame the other person for not giving you what they want and for being lost and for your poor heart is very much out in the open here. Um, So the narrator um, claims that the beloved, let's say, um, only takes and never gives. Well, well, possibly. And... um, uh, in that first stanza, it's really like, okay, you kissed with your eyes wide open. So that 
should have told me that you were trouble. Why exactly? Maybe she was uncomfortable. Maybe she wasn't sure yet. Maybe she likes to look at people while she's kissing. So, so it already starts there with like, you're supposed to do stuff in a certain way. Otherwise, um, you're suspicious sort of, and then it goes on and intensifies. I gave you all I had and you tossed it in the trash. You tossed it in the trash. Um, so she didn't appreciate whatever it was he gave her. Um, to give me all your love is all I ever asked. Well, there we go. Maybe that's the problem. Um, it sounds like a little thing. I All I ever asked is that you give me all your love. But, you know... Who said, um, who said you're entitled to somebody else's all your love? Um, and then comes the chorus. I'd catch a grenade for you, throw my hand on a blade for you. I'd jump in front of a train for you. You know, I'd do anything for you. Oh, I would go through all this pain, take a bullet straight through my brain. Yes, I would die for you, baby. But you won't do the same. Well, the question is, why would she do the same? Why would you want to catch a grenade for something? I mean, what's the, the situation if we take it, you know, if we see it as a realistic um, situation? When, say, for in a war situation, when would you be required to catch a grenade for someone else? Um, when would you throw your hand on a blade? Okay, so if someone's attacked and you put your hand in between it, risking to, you know, be cut instead in order to save the other person. Okay, that might be, it's not, you know, my everyday experience, but that might be heroic and nice and a sign of love, maybe even. But I'll jump in front of a train for you. Um, why? You know, why would you? <laughs> and um, take a bullet straight through my brain. That doesn't sound like, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't sound like you catch a bullet for someone else. It sounds rather like, you know, I kill myself with a headshot because you won't love me. So... Yeah, and and yeah, the catching of the grenade. It's it's obvious, I think, that this is not to be taken literally. It's just supposed to be a drastic metaphor for all the things and all the pain uh, one person wants to take or is ready to take for the other. But nobody, I mean, there's no indication that anyone required them to do so. So, so yeah, the question is, you know, why? And if, again, we have a situation where one person doesn't really reciprocate or isn't in love with the other, so it's one-sided, and then you start um, saying all these things, I would do all these crazy, deadly things for you, it quickly becomes creepy, right? And then it turns even weirder or worse because then suddenly the accusation is like the beloved is the aggressor. Black, black, black and blue beat me till I'm numb. 
tell the devil I said hey when you get back to where you're from. So she's from hell and she's beating him up. What? <laughs> uh, again, I don't think that's meant to be taken literally, but as a metaphor, it doesn't actually sound lovely or, you know. Um, and then, of course, mad woman, bad woman, that's just what you are. Yeah, you'll smile in my face, then rip the brakes out my car. What? Why would you be in love with someone who smiles in your face but secretly wants to kill you and make it look like an accident? Yeah, not a love song right there. And then we have the repetition thing going on again. I gave you all I had and I catch a grenade for you and whatever. And then there's this bit where it says, if my body wasn't on fire, oh, you'd watch me burn down in flames. Uh, yeah, again, why would his body be on fire? Or is that a metaphor for, you know, having the hots? Uh, being horny for someone. Oh, I'm so on fire and you watch me burn. So again, you, you don't give me what I want. Uh, that's where the implication in my eyes is, is like, I'm burning up for you and you won't quote unquote quench my desire, right? But then you have, you said you loved me, you're a liar, because you never, ever, ever did, baby. So this, you said you loved me, is the only uh, indication in the whole song that, that there was a promise or there was a reciprocity at some point or whatever. Um, but as usual, which is one of the problems of a song, we only have one side of the story. We always have just one apart from songs like Baby It's Cold Outside, where it's a dialogue. And um, that's, um, that's uh, <laughs> how can I say, a, a whole other story, because that is a very interesting song in this, in my context. But, you know, in most cases, it's all just one-sided and you have one perspective so of course you can say you said you loved me but how do we know because everything else is very much poor me again even worse i would you know i would die i would kill myself for you but you wouldn't uh, i don't think anyone should want to die for the other person anyone should want to kill themselves for the other person for whatever reason i mean it's 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 laudable, honorable, maybe to, you know, jump in if the other person is in danger, okay, but that's not, you know, your everyday occurrence, at least, well, who knows. <laughs> um, yeah, and after this whole, you never ever loved me, the repetition has this slight variation where it says, but darling, I'd still catch a grenade for you. Even though you never loved me, I would still do all these things for you. And I mean, that, in my opinion, just adds to the to the creepiness or to the attitude. You know, you, you don't love me, but I'll show you. And if I kill myself, you'll see, sort of. Um, that's a quite common thing in, in this type of love song where it's like, you'll see. Maybe I don't get what I want, but at least you will feel bad about it afterwards. 
Um, funnily enough, uh, Bruno Mars once said, everyone's watching the video for the song. That's the one where he, you know, drags a piano all over town and, and stuff like that. Uh, it's weird enough on its own. Um, everyone who sees this video, who watches this video, should understand that it's like an artistic rendition um, of the song and not something you should emulate or, you know, take as your example. Well, um, I don't see people dragging around pianos to impress the people they want to love them, but thankfully um yeah but the question really is why would you or why would people glorify this whole i would die for you um it sounds romantic but it's actually morbid and unnecessary and coercive because it puts pressure on the other person now come on what would you do for me i would do everything for you i would kill myself um there's no happiness in a future of people who are so ready to kill themselves for each other i think or for or at least one for the other and what i also thought was interesting is sort of uh, also, Bruno Mars himself said sort of he he was visiting a friend and and that friend played him a few songs and um, there was one line that was similar to Grenade and the friend said, well, the band didn't have a contract and the um, the song had never been published anywhere. So Bruno Mars said, well, I I'm identifying so much with this. I want to use it and I want to turn it into my own song. So he started writing it and he thinks his own words it's a, a heart-rending song about a broken heart and he thinks that everyone can relate to this because if you if you're that much in love you're wondering what am i doing wrong what am i not giving you why are you not you know giving back i would die for you why am i not getting the love i want from you so yeah i mean again entitlement um an expectation that is probably groundless the strength of your love or the intensity of it has nothing to do with the reciprocation the the way the other person feels about you i think that's the important thing to remember um yeah so much for bruno mars but really whenever i listen to grenade i mean whenever it comes on the radio or wherever i get so annoyed <laughs> it's it's like this is exactly the I don't know, the whining, the pressuring, I would do everything for you, anything that sounds very unhealthy and very stupid and very, I don't know. It's not the kind of thing to say if you want to score, I would say, <laughs> at least not with me. One more song. Um, you 
probably know Behind Blue Eyes in the version sung by Limp Bizkit. Um, it was recorded in 2003, but the song Behind Blue Eyes is actually was actually written in 1971, the year I was born, <laughs> by The Who. It was written by Pete Townsend and um, was released on the album Who's Next um, and was a single in November of 1971. Um, it was covered a lot. Um, I found mention of Brian Adams, Pearl Jim, Cheryl Crow, Suzanne Vega, Within Temptation, um, and several um, hip-hop uh, musicians. So this has been covered quite a bit, but uh, originally it was written for um, a rock opera called Lifehouse that never that was never published. So um, yeah, but the most famous version is uh, the one by Limp Bizkit. And I'm sure you've all heard it because it's very whiny, I would say. I still kind of like it. I mean, I like it musically, but the more I'm hearing it, the more I'm hearing something that was probably not intended. So um, the lyrics go, no one knows what it's like to be the bad man, to be the sad man behind blue eyes. No one knows what it's like to be hated, to be faded, to telling only lies. But my dreams, they aren't as empty as my conscience seems to be. I have hours, only lonely. My love is vengeance that's never free. No one knows what it's like to feel these feelings like I do. And I blame you. No one bites back as hard on their anger. None of my pain and woe can show through. And then basically it's uh, the same all over again. One more um, stanza is, no one knows what it's like to be mistreated, to be defeated behind blue eyes. No one knows how to say that they're sorry. And don't worry, I'm not telling lies. That's it, basically. Um, so, Whatever um, the original uh, intent was, I get a feeling maybe it's sort of, you know, my lens of 2019, but I get a feeling is it's the white man's lament. Poor me, they made me feel guilty when nobody knows how hard I have it. So all I want to say to this uh, guy, that's, uh, you know, brooding behind his blue eyes is, um, you know, check your privilege. It's, it sounds very much like, you know, um, the, again, the entitled person who says, you all don't understand how hard I have it. Um, and, and it's probably the line behind blue eyes that makes me think it's, it's sort of the white man's burden all over again. And yeah, I mean, people think I'm the bad man when I'm really the sad man and everyone hates me. And the point where where I sort of, where it chimes with all the rest and all the, well, problematic 
bit of being a mainstream white guy these days is where it says no one knows what it's like to feel these feelings like I do and I blame you again you know th there's this whole thing of pushing your issues and your sadness on someone else and no one bites back as hard on their anger it's like well what else do you want to do let out let the aggression out um not bite back on your anger maybe not even feel that anger because it's all based on a skewed view of the world and maybe there's this whole love song or or you know one-sided love in there too because um the part i haven't uh recited yet is in the clouds all the graves i'll stay if you go away concrete tall as the sky big city yeah movement passing me by when you blush what a rush reminisce cold crush next door ear to the wall all the tension on me for the call i wish i wish i wish it was all that easy so that's really it. That's the lyrics. Um, but the whole, when you blush, what a rush, reminisce, cold crush, sounds like he's excited about someone who is, I don't know, you blush because you're shy or intimidated or you feel insecure. And the cold crush is maybe a crush from the past that you're still sad about still suffering about no one knows what it's like to feel these feelings you know at least to me there's this whole issue that i'm revolving around again or at least possibly it's there um yeah and of course we have the my love is vengeance that's never free i mean who wants a love that's vengeance what vengeance what for vengeance on the ones that didn't reciprocate the love or it doesn't sound very appealing a love that's vengeance again <laughs> here we go again and um to sort of find a counterpoint to these things i want to finish with a song of one of my favorite artists um billy joel I picked a matter of trust for this time. There are several ones by Billy Joel that I can imagine sort of, you know, counterpointing the stalker ones. So a matter of trust. Um, it was, I think, on the Stormfront LP. Um, some love is just a lie of the heart. The cold remains of what began with a passionate start. And they may not want it to end, but it will. It's just a question of when. So it already starts with a very, I don't know, you could say cynical, but I would say realistic uh, idea. You know, some love is not real. It's just a lie of the heart. We want to feel it, but we lie to ourselves. We um, There was passion in the end, but it cooled down. And even if you don't want it to end you know it will it's just a question of when um 
And then I've lived long enough to have learned the closer you get to the fire, the more you get burned. But that won't happen to us because it's always been a matter of trust. So this guy has experience, which reminds me of uh, a Billy Joel concert I went to in, I think, 1999 in uh, Portland, Oregon, when I was an exchange student there. And uh, I don't know if it was this song, but he introduced several songs by um, referring to his personal life. And he said at some point, well, this song's for my first wife. And then another one, this song's for my second wife. Well, you must think this guy is experienced. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> so yeah, um, so this guy is experienced and he knows you know, the closer you get to the fire, you more, the more you get burned. So, you know, the more intense it is, the more passionate, the harder the waking up or the falling down from cloud nine, say. Um, but then he says, but that won't happen to us because it's always been a matter of trust. So um, the whole song uh, repeats that matter of trust thing because apparently this is what he thinks is the most important quality or aspect of a relationship and of a love. If you trust each other, everything else is manageable, I'd say. And it goes on with understanding. I know you're an emotional girl. It took a lot for you to not lose faith in this world. I can't offer you proof, but you're gonna have a whoop, but you're gonna face a moment of truth. It's hard when you're always afraid. You just recover when another belief is betrayed. So break my heart if you must. It's a matter of trust. You can't go the distance with too much resistance. I know you have doubts, but for God's sake, don't shut me out. Again, um, compared to the others, you could argue here there's pressure too. There's this, for God's sake, don't shut me out. But the rest of it is all, it doesn't sound pushy or coercive. It sounds way more, I know what it's like and I know you went through some heartbreaks or some bad relationships. Um, and I know you have your... Um, coping mechanisms but you have to open up and you know put your doubts behind you if you want to feel it again and it doesn't stop there so <laughs> bear with me with my argument this time you've got nothing to lose you can take it you can leave it whatever you choose i won't hold back anything and I walk away a fool or a king. So I think that's that's the part that sticks or stuck with me. Um, so there's a choice. It's not, you know, okay, for God's sake, don't shut me out. But then he says, you can take it, you can leave it, whatever you choose. So he offers his love, but leaves the other person a choice. Um, and he uh, commits to being open and not holding back and knows he can you know crash badly if this opening up and the, if this honesty is uh, not appreciated but if it is 
then this is the kind of relationship that will last, the, the trusting open, um, not holding back one. And that's why I walk away a fool or a king. He knows both extremes, both options, and he goes for it, even if he ends up the fool. And then a few more examples. Some love is just a lie of the mind. It's make-believe until it's only a matter of time. So again, it's uh, it doesn't last if you lie. The, in the beginning, it was the lie of the heart. Now it's the lie of the mind. When you tell yourself, yeah, yeah, that's that's love. That's working. That's We can do this. Um, so it's only make-believe until you fess up and realize. And some might have learned to adjust but then it never was a matter of trust. So you can sort of accommodate things and, and, and yeah, adjust to the situation, even if it's not perfect, but then you're not open and honest and trusting. And then again, um, the similar experiences are highlighted. We both know this game is, uh, you know, a lot of people lose in it. I'm sure you're aware, love, we've both had our share of believing too long when the whole situation was wrong. So we both know these things, the lie of the heart and and the lie of the mind. We, we both had that kind of relationship before. And then the last uh, wrong one, some love is just a lie of the soul, a constant battle for the ultimate state of control. After you've heard lie upon lie, there can hardly be a question of why. Some love is just a lie of the heart, the cold remains of what began with a passionate start, but that can't happen to us because it's always been a matter of trust. So it ends on this optimistic note. Um, it, some loves are sort of a fight for control and that is not, I don't know what's meant by love. I, I feel like the lie of the soul is the strongest, even though the, the lie of the heart is repeated. But um, as soon as it becomes sort of a contest and a battle, that is the least love, loving love for me. Um, yeah, I really think... Um, that even though you 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 have again a one-sided storytelling a one a narrator that's that tries to sort of convince um his beloved um he leaves her the choice and um he expresses a lot of understanding and says we both know what the bad versions of it feel like but if we open up and trust each other we can have the one that's worth it sort of at least that's how i read it um so that should sort of put a positive note on the whole thing and um yeah i think that's enough for my first attempt um i feel I feel that it's extremely difficult to do this uh, simply because I'm not used to it. I'm not, you know, the YouTube generation. Um, I'm squarely Generation X and we're skeptical and emo and 
<laughs> no, no. Um, the the hardest part is like talking to the microphone as if you're talking to people. So I will still need to practice way more. I did practice before I ever uh, put anything out there, but yeah, it still feels weird and I hope you bear with me and next time will be smoother, crisper, uh, with le less fillers. <laughs> okay.